Hey, Shannon, what's been going on? Hey, Marcella. And as the kids say, what's up? Why are you like this? What? I don't... <laughs> you told me to say whatever I want to say. Do you have a black thumb? Are you wondering what the word horticulture means? Are you a little bit seedy? A little shady? Do you stand in the garden and wonder, what the f- am I doing? Do you look at people's yards and wonder, what the f- are they doing? If so, this podcast is for you, no matter your gardening experience level. I'm Shannon. And I'm Marcella, two friends who like to laugh and learn our way through life and gardening. Tune in as we interview some awesome people who talk to us about their love for plants, trees, gardens, bugs, and more. Welcome to CD and Shady AF, a sketchy gardening podcast. Hey, Shannon, what's been going on? Hey, Marcella, how are you? I'm good. I'm super excited that it's March and this is our very first episode. I'm excited because it took me 100,000 hours to edit this episode. <laughs> I know you worked really hard on it, but I'm really excited to put it out. Um, And I'm also really excited to share with everyone everything that I've learned um, from the interviews that we've done. You know, people keep asking me whenever I tell them we're doing a gardening podcast. They're like, why are you doing a gardening podcast? You know nothing about gardening. But you didn't know what a podcast was, which was more than most of our people that we told we were starting a podcast. That's fair. Yeah, that included my 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 mom, who I love so much. And this is not a judgment. But yeah, she she was like, what what is that? Where do we listen to that? <laughs> I mean, it's a tiny bit of a judgment, but we still love her just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. Yep. And this is going to be a really good one. The first episode is going to start with Robin Norton, who's an events manager at Rainbow Gardens here in San Antonio. And she's going to be talking to people just like you who are brand new in the garden. Super excited. Yeah, same here. I loved our conversation with her. So here goes part one. Robin, if you could start by telling us about your journey as a gardener and when you first became interested in this in this topic. It was actually only a few years ago. I, um, okay. uh, to be honest with you, I've never really had much of an interest in gardening or plants. Uh, my mother and my grandmother and my uncle all loved plants, but I honestly didn't think much about them. And uh, I... Previous to this, I was a teacher and uh, I would get plants as gifts often from parents and they would either die or I would give them (laughs) to another teacher or my mom. Uh, But one day we had monarch caterpillars in the classroom and everything just totally changed for me. I felt so happy and so excited. And once the caterpillars, you know, go into their chrysalis, it kind of reminds me of the feeling like when you have a friend or a family member that's about to have a baby and, you know, there's all that excitement and you're waiting. And then all of a sudden, you know, the miracle comes and everybody's happy and healthy. And it's just such a wonderful feeling. I just, I knew that I, you know, wanted to learn more. Oh, that's very- wonderful. That's a really cool story. And um, also very um, like validating because every plant that I've ever gotten has died. So there's yes. hope for me at last <laughs> that I can learn. Absolutely. <laughs> Even the experienced gardeners, we all lose plants from time to time. <laughs> it happens. So, yeah. My plan is to, to get Marcella a plant and have her like share the whole journey of birthing this plant you know, oh. all the way. So that would yes. be a really cool thing to do. Yes, and it so would. We're talking a little bit about, you know, gardening. You just started doing this a couple of years ago and new beginnings. And so yes. what I want to talk a little bit about today on the podcast is about the beginning gardener and the spring gardening. 
So, you know, if you are a person who just woke up from the slumber of winter and you're like, you know what, today's the day I want to start a garden and you have no idea where to start or what you're doing. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about that today. So Robin, I guess my first question um, to you would be, if I'm a brand new gardener and I'm first starting out, what what's the very basics of what I would need to plan to get ready for my spring garden? Well, and, and you said it exactly right, plan. You have to have to have, to have a plan. Um, you can't just go out there and start sticking stuff in the ground because uh, you have to consider you know, uh, the sunlight and uh, identify those shady areas. Also try to note how many hours of direct sunlight an area gets. Um, you know, really study your area. Um, and if this area is on a slope, you're gonna need to know, you know, what do I need to, to plant there, you know, to stop soil erosion. Um, the tips, you know, that I re definitely recommend is, you know, follow the sun. You wanna stay near a water source. You don't wanna to have to lug buckets of water to where you're going. So make sure your hose reaches where you're going. That's one thing, you know, if, you, if it's not easy for you, you're not gonna to wanna to do it. And then, um, you know, you're gonna to wanna to start with a good soil. Um, and give the plants the correct amount of water. So those are all things. So you're going to want to research the plants that you like and make a plan for them. So I love the way that planning is definitely the first thing you should do. So I would tell yes. you a quick, a quick, a quick story. Um, so my one of my very first gardens I had when I was living in Japan. And so I was doing a lot of like uh, kind of guerrilla gardening and kind of things like all over the place gardening. Right. So the point you made about the, the water source, I decided to have a garden on a patio, a garden in the yard, and a garden on the second floor balcony, which was, oh, a, wow. which was a great idea in theory until I had to figure out how to get water. So yes. I had to build a hoist to bring the hose up to the second floor on the patio there and, and garden and it worked out. But yes, make sure you have a really easy water. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. That is very, very, very important. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And I like what you said about like, make it, make it easy for you. Definitely. Like yes. you want to do, you want to make it as, as least work intensive as you can. I'm definitely absolutely. a strong proponent of that. Yes. So you talked, you talked about the importance of doing research, um, on, on your, on your favorite plant. Um, and although I know that, um, you know, plants that look nice and plants that you like are important. Um, I also recognize that, um, kind of going along with the factors you discussed, like sunlight and where you are and the slope of your, of your soil. Um, so how do you pick the right plant for your garden and what things would you need to consider in addition to something that you really like? Well, you want to think about first off what type of garden that you are looking for. There are so many types of garden. Of course, flower and vegetable are the most popular um, and most traditional, but you know, there's pollinator gardeners, rain gardens, fairy gardens, pet gardens, bird gardens, rose gardens, shade gardens, you know, herb gardens, container gardens, you know, it all just depends on what you are doing. So you have to do your research, uh, you know, cactus gardens, obviously you wouldn't put a cactus in a very, you know, an area that gets tons of water. So you've got to, you know, think about your yard and your areas. And if something, you know, seems like that's in an area that's not going to get a lot of natural water, but, you know, I really love cactus. I might make this one area, you know, for cactus and, and things like that. So you just want to look at the basic needs of the plants. Um, and just like humans, you know, they need, uh, they need water, they need light and air and nutrients. So uh, they need to be watered properly according to their individual needs. Um, it's always good to try to 
find plants that have similar sun and water needs um, so that they can be planted you know, next to each other or nearby. You wanna make sure they receive the correct amount of sunlight. You want a good, good soil for those nutrients. And then you wanna to know too, you know, how big are these plants gonna be when they reach maturity? Is there going to be enough room in between for the air to circulate? Because air that does not get a chance to circulate, that's like a breeding ground for fungus and all sorts of things. So you want to make sure your spacing is very important too. And if you're planting food, you're going to want to plant things that you're actually going to eat. Uh, you don't want to waste time, you know, planting things that nobody's going to eat. And, and then I would say start out small and, you know, build up as you're going. Everybody's different. My sister loves to veggie garden and she loves houseplants. And I am more of the pollinator gardener. And I like to garden for wildlife and birds and that kind of thing. So it, it honestly depends on, you know, you, you have to do your research. It just depends on what you are trying to plant. One well, of the things that struck me about what you were saying is all the different types of gardens. I think that's the first time that somebody has actually like listed for us all the different types of gardens that there can be. Right. Um, and so there, that's, that's so such an many. important point. Yeah. Yes. And it's really neat because you can do anything to your yard. You can make it, you know, one area uh, look one way and one area look another, kind of have little themes. It's really, it's, it's, it's neat. There's all sorts of things you can do with it. So gotcha. in my garden, I like to set it up so that it's like I get a little bit of everything. And so yes. I have one part of my garden that's very planned out. It's all the rows are straight. Everything is spaced perfectly. And then I have a yes. spot in the garden that's just like a wild, wild west. And it's just everything's broadcasted and it's crazy. And so, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so yes, definitely. If you think a little bit about it, you could probably have a little bit of everything. Absolutely. <laughs> And so, and so we talked about a little bit of the the factors and how you can kind of, you know, set up a good plan to get your garden started out the right way. And so say if I'm a new uh, gardener and I've, I have an idea of where I want to plant, I know what my sunlight's like, I know my, where I, where I want to put things, what my soil is like. I go to the garden, garden center, I'm looking online and I'm trying to decide if I want to buy seeds or if I want to buy seedlings. Um, can you first talk about what's the seed and what's a seedling, just people are clear on the time. Absolutely. For a beginning gardener, does it matter or is there a preference or do some plants do better as a seed or as a seedling? Uh, well, those, those are all very good questions. So the difference is, you know, seeds are planted directly into soil, whereas when you uh, purchase a seedling, that's like a, a transplant. So basically, you're going to take it from a little pot and put it somewhere else is basically what a seedling. Oh. They've started the seed for you, so you don't have to get it started. All seedlings begin their lives as seeds. So, you know, they're kind of essentially the same thing. But the crucial difference in deciding whether to purchase seeds or seedlings is how long will it take for that plant to grow to maturity. You know, rhubarb or, or artichoke, I believe it is, that uh, you have to, it takes several years to grow and you, you can buy an artichoke crown that's, you know, faster. So, you know, there's different things to take into consideration uh, with that. And do you have enough time to grow the plants that you want from seed? You have to, you know, follow through also with your seed directions for the planting depth. That can get a little tricky sometimes. You want to choose the right plants according to the season. You know, we have a, a planting calendar, every area does, and, and we have one, we've got it on our website, and it will tell you exactly what to plant when, and um, oh, ours yeah. even says, you know, when to start seeds and when to start the transplants. So that's that's definitely one thing. Watering appropriately, of course. Um, the And the, the benefits of planting seeds 
is that there's a, a bigger range of varieties when you're browsing through the seed section. Some people will start their spring tomatoes indoors under grow lights starting around the 1st of January or so. So you can actually save money and then get a jump start on, on people. Um, the disadvantages, uh, seeds generally take a little longer to grow. Some need to germinate in water. Some need a cold spell. Um, some need to be planted in fall. Some seeds won't survive a frost. So you really have to do a lot of research when you're doing, uh, when you're planting seeds. A lot of times with the seedlings, you can come in, we'll have them available because they, it is the appropriate time to, to plant them. So we won't have them here unless it's time to plant. And then you already know the hay, the seeds germinated, it's ready to go. I'm going to put it in the ground and you've already kind of got a head start that way. So it's really kind of a personal preference. No, that's, that's super great advice. I, I, a lot of people like to buy seedlings because they're kind of already established. So to me, like a seedling is kind of like when you get a little toddler, they're kind yes. of, you know, they're not a baby anymore. They're a little toddler, you know, exactly. but, I, I, but I just love seeds because I like to yes. watch them burst through the soil and just like, mm -hmm. you know, and then when they're a 10 foot tall plant, you can be like, I birthed you. from yes. a <laughs> It's awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Very, very awesome. Can you talk a little bit about um, how the climate and the environment um, has an impact on when you're starting a garden? Of course, um, you definitely need to take into consideration what season it is and only plant the things that are appropriate for planting during that time. You also wanna make sure when you're putting those plants into the ground that our last chance of frost has passed. And then, you, uh, we had a super, super, super record-breaking hot summer this year. And one thing I noticed were things that were planted uh, next to large rocks or, or rock walls, some things next to metal, they took damage this year because those things heat up. So it actually heat, you know, was heating up the plants. So that type of environment is definitely something to think about. Um, if you get a lot of rain in one area that, tends to pool, you're going to want to plant plants that are complementary of that, plants that don't mind standing in water, um, it, those kind of things. So those are all things that you definitely need to take into consideration when planting. Hi there. This is your seedy and shady AF seed in the shade with a friendly garden tip. Itching to put those baby seedlings outside but not sure? Check your average frost dates. A frost date is the average date of the last light freeze in spring or the first light freeze in fall. Frost is predicted when air temperatures reach 32 degrees Fahrenheit, zero degrees Celsius. But because it is colder closer to the ground, a frost may occur even when air temperatures are just above freezing. Always keep an eye on your local weather forecasts and plan to protect tender plants accordingly. For more information and to check the frost dates for your area, check out the Farmer's Almanac at www.almanac.com. And so you kind of mentioned a little bit, this kind of goes along with climate and environment and picking the right plants. Can you talk about what USDA hardening zones? I want to talk a little later about seed packets and how you read those. But I think yes. one, one important uh, thing to know is kind of where you live yes. <laughs> and what your environment and climate is like. So when people talk about USDA zones, what does that mean? And how can you find those? Again, great questions. Um, Google is your friend. You, you can find a lot of stuff, you know, you can just go in and put your zip code and it will let you know. So it is definitely the key for choosing right plants uh, for your area that are going to survive and thrive. Um, 
and uh, choosing plants, you know, that aren't hardy for our area, of course, would not set you up for success. So the way that they have figured out these um, USDA hardiness zones, they use historical temperature data and the U.S. Department of Agriculture divided the country into 13 hardiness zones, ranging from one, which is the coldest, to 13, which is the warmest. And each of these zones is further divided into A and B for greater accuracy, with A being colder and B being warmer. So in San Antonio, Texas, for instance, our hardiness zones, we have two. We have 8B and 9A. We're kind of a large area catering to, you know, the hill country and then also down south. Gotcha. Michelle, do you know what do you know what zone you're in in North Carolina? I, I don't, I think it's 7A or 7B, but I can't, I'd have to look it up. I'd have to Google. Yes. Google is my friend. I'd have to Google, Yes. but I believe I'm 7A. I think if I remember gotcha. correctly from a previous conversation, got it. Yeah. So if I understood that correctly, so there, so 8B is slightly cooler than 9A. Is that right? Based on what that you were just correct. saying, Antonio? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. Got so it. like down South, of San Antonio area would be the 9A and the 8B would probably be going north. More north. Okay. Got it. That's super helpful. So as Shannon mentioned, you know, earlier, like a, a, a yes. big aspect of when you're beginning is to know, you know, what, what the instructions mean when you're reading your seed packet. So how do you read those? How do you, what are you looking for? How can understanding how to read those help in a successful garden? Generally speaking, each seed packet will cover, you know, four different areas, a description of the seed being sold, when exactly to plant the seeds, how to plant the seeds, you know, how deep, how far apart, and, and then what to expect from the plant you're growing, you know, approximately how many days to maturity, et cetera. So descriptions can also include flavor, color, history, or even meals that are typically made with that produce. So the seed packets are very, very helpful. Some of them even have information on the insides. I believe the botanical interests has some information on the inside. So if you even open it up, it will even go further into, you know, more information about that plant, which is really cool. I actually, it's, it's funny you said that I opened up a seed packet yesterday and the whole time I'm looking around for this plant. And I was like, oh man, I'm really bad at math and putting things the right spacing apart. Can, right? I, just, can I just broadcast these? Meaning, just can I just throw these seeds in some soil and just cover them a little bit? And I was like, oh, oh, I don't know. And I opened up the inside of a packet and it said, you can just broadcast these seeds. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wonderful. Oh, my life yes. is saved. <laughs> so yeah, seed packets are super yes. important to read those. And so we talked about like seeds and how to pick them. And so once you decided, yes, I would like to, you know, grow from seeds and some seeds are better to start indoors under grow lights. As you mentioned, some seeds are better to start outdoors. If you're starting seeds indoors, there's many options as far as the medium to utilize. What is the best medium to utilize for seeds to get them started under grow lights? Great question. Because, you know, you wouldn't think, you know, oh, it's a seed. I can just throw it outside. But there are different, many, many different types of soils. And there's one called a seed starting mix. And it is just ground up very, very fine. So a lot of light is able to get in there. So it is great for seeds because it helps them germinate because seeds do need light to germinate. So I would definitely recommend like a seed starting mix um, type of soil would be the best. And so when you, how do you decide if you should start indoors and transplant them 
or are there better, are there um, specific plants that are better suited to be sown outdoors? Like how do you decide? Well, you know, all plants are different. So it honestly depends on the type of seed and the time of year. I would definitely say, you know, there's just so many different answers to that question. <laughs> We've got a planting calendar on our website. Also the Bear County Master Gardeners have a really good planting calendar as well. So that can kind of help you see, you know, what exactly what you're wanting to do. Now, for instance, I know with tomatoes, uh, a couple of years back when we had that snowmageddon, my sister had tomatoes in her greenhouse and, you know, we all lost power and she thought, oh my gosh, you know, my, my tomatoes are going to die. And so the two that she tried to move from her greenhouse to her house died, but the ones that she kept in her greenhouse all closed up, they lived. So many, many people lost all of their tomato crops and she had these huge tomatoes and people were saying, well, how on earth did you do that? And it was because she started them indoors and she, you know, was worried about that freeze. So that that's one thing to consider if you're just wanting to get things going a little bit quicker and you're worried about how our spring might be, that, that would be one benefit to starting seeds indoors so that you know, once that frost has passed, you've got this nice big plant that you can take outside. Yeah, I think it's kind of also when you mentioned earlier about, you know, it's a little bit of trial and error and just kind of figuring things out as well, you know, so yes. learn, try some inside, try some outdoors. Absolutely. You know, sometimes like the soil outside has to be a good temperature to germinate, which I'm finding that out right now, the hard way. Yes. So I've moved everything back inside today. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. And Absolutely. So, you know, is there, so when you're shopping also, and so you decide, all right, I'm going to have a container garden, or I'm going to have a raised bed garden, or I'm going to just dig up some holes and plant straight in the ground. How do you go about picking something like the soil type that would be better for those? Like if it's, if you're going to put it in a container, is it better to get a container, you know, soil or does it right. really matter? Well, and, and it can be very confusing because some say on their for in-ground use, some don't really indicate much on the package. It just might say potting mix. And somebody who's not familiar with plants uh, may not realize, you know, potting mix is, is, is meant to go in a pot. And the reason being, um, it's a special formulation that has extra things in it so that when, you know, a, a plant would normally be able to get, you know, access certain nutrients from the soil. So they have to put extra nutrients in and also make sure that it's well draining so that the water just kind of runs through and the roots aren't just sitting in the, in the potting soil. Now uh, there's topsoil and a lot of people say, oh, I need some topsoil for my lawn, you know, to make it look nice. In my opinion, in the opinion of a lot of people here, the only thing topsoil is good for is filling holes, not to grow <laughs> anything, not to do anything. It is not made from the best quality uh, of, of dirt, basically, and it can have weed seeds in it. So oh, I avoid wow. topsoil at all costs. So when people say, you know, oh, I want to put some, you know, topsoil on my lawn, I will suggest compost. That's much lighter. The air the, and, and water uh, and light can get through. And, you know, it's got a lot more nutrients. So that would be something to put on your lawn instead of, you know, topsoil. Because uh, most topsoil is just not good quality. And then some are labeled, uh, you know, for in-ground use. Some... Um, uh, might say planting mix or soil conditioner or compost, those go into the ground. The ones that, you know, are, are labeled specifically as potting soil would be going into pots. That is so helpful because I always <laughs> see the one that says like 
so like uh, soil conditioner and I'm like yes is it like shampoo and conditioning your hair like what is <laughs> right that? right exactly <laughs> it's kind of a mix of compost and potting soil but it just doesn't have all that extra stuff for the drainage in it so it's kind of a you know very uh, enriched soil conditioner hi seed in the shade here again your seasonal planting schedule depends on where you live what you'd like to grow and if your soil has been prepped to sufficiently grow a new crop. You can safely begin to plant from last frost, though many plants will happily grow through the frost. Check out your last frost date and decide on what you would like to harvest. In some areas, it's recommended that you start growing seeds indoors and then eventually move them outside once they'll survive. One way to figure out what the best option is for your garden is by checking the USDA Hardiness Zone map USDA zones will help you determine the best time to start seeds indoors, when to transplant young plants outside, and when to directly sow seeds into the ground. This information can be found at planthardiness.ars.usda.gov. It is super helpful to, to kind of talk about the language because, because as you said, um, when you say like some people are not familiar, me, I am some people, I am not very <laughs> yes. familiar. So it is helpful to kind of clarify some of this. And so Absolutely. one of the other, one of the other phrases or um, things discussed around gardening um, is mounding the seeds when you're planting your seeds. And so one of the questions we had is what does that mean? And why would you want to do that to your seeds? So the purpose of building up a mound and adding plants to that mound, maybe for space reasons or for looks, or it could be both. Mounds are built in layers. Um, the bottom may be like compostable newspaper or cardboard to act as a weed barrier, followed by healthy soil and then with compost and then put mulch on the surface. The basic structure is adaptable to suit for those specific needs, such as adding a layer of hay, you know, for higher levels of nitrogen. And a mound or a hill of soil just creates like a miniature raised bed environment for germinating seeds and plants. Um, and then the a simple mounded bed can be like four to six inches high with a level top, but it's really done to help keep that moisture inside and germinate those seeds. I'm taking okay, notes, okay, taking okay. notes. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. It has, it, you said it has some to do with how it looks, but it also has some, some people, to do. Yes. Okay. If you have like, say you've got a corner that's got like a slope or something, you know, you might want to add some some of that layering there uh, to offset any of that, you know, soil erosion that might be happening or, you know, just to make the area look cool and different. You know, that's the fun thing about gardening is it's just like a big science experiment. Lots of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so um, I talked a little bit like uh, broadcasting seeds because like, yes. I love to do that, but I yes. But it gets a little crazy because things are popping up everywhere. So um, is it okay to broadcast the seeds? And, and like, again, when I say broadcast, I mean, you're not necessarily making straight lines and kind of putting right. one seed in spacing. You're just kind of taking a handful of seeds and throwing them. Is it fine to broadcast seeds or plant more than one seed in a spot? Or is it necessary that you follow directly and plant to the spacing that you're supposed to? And do some things do fine if you just broadcast them and not plant them individually? That, that, that's exactly right. Plants and seeds are definitely not one size fits all. So you're going to want to read those 
labels, read the directions on your seeds. For instance, wildflower seeds, yes, you can broadcast those like you're feeding chickens. Those are great. But if you did that with carrot seeds, most likely you would never find any carrots. So you, you wouldn't find them at all. You know, they just blow <laughs> away. So there are some things that definitely need to be planted in rows, but then, you know, there are obviously other things that you can broadcast. So I would definitely recommend looking at your labels. Once seeds have sprouted, what does it mean to thin the plants? When they're growing in, if you if you accidentally, if two seeds did accidentally get too close together and you're looking at them and you're like, hmm, there's a big clump right there. So I'm going to need to thin these. And basically you're going to look at them and see which ones look the strongest. And so then you're going to pluck out the weaker one. And you're doing that so that your vegetables can have the best chance of getting as big and strong as they can. And then also they need access to those, those nutrients. So if they have, you know, a bunch uh, pushed together, then they would not grow to their full potential. They would not be able to, and they may not grow at all. They may start growing and then just, you know, choke each other out. So uh, that is definitely the importance, especially, you know, for the size of what you're growing. So my husband has to do that part because I cannot, I cannot, I cannot and them it's at hard. All. I, I want to, I love them all so much, especially like yes. I feel like if they have made it out of the seed and sprouted, I want to give all 5,000 leeks. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So my, I said, I tell my husband, don't even tell me, just go do it. And don't tell me that you thinned any of them. <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. And I, so, I feel the same way. So once your uh, plants have sprouted and once you've thinned them, um, if, if you have them outside and you've thinned them, um, it, but if you grew them inside and now you kind of have the ones that have grown a couple inches and you want to take them outside, what does it mean when you hear the term hardening off to harden off a plant? What does that mean? You're basically getting the plant used to its new environment. It's the process of allowing the plant to transition from a protected indoor space or a greenhouse to a more harsh environment with fluctuating temperatures, wind, full sun, you know, that kind of thing. Basically, plants are living things and we need to think about them in that way and realize that if we just walked outside in the dead of winter without a coat, you know, we from a warm house, we'd be freezing. Plants react that same way. So we want to gradually introduce them to that environment, which, you know, might start out one hour a day, right in the middle of the sun, if it's still a little chilly outside, or if it's a hot day and you started something inside from seed, you might be putting it in the shade to protect it. So you're just going to, you know, increase it each day. And within, you know, a week or two, you should be able to finally plant that outside. It should be officially hardened off by that time, just by, you know, in giving it little increments of that exposure outside and then increasing the increments. My husband and I are like completely opposite in that regard because I'm the one that's like, they're babies. We have to harden them off. And I'll call yes. them in the middle of the day and say, are my babies outside or inside? And he's like, they'll just have to live outside or die. And I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Make them tough. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> So, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, the, the seeds versus the baby seedlings. So yes. once you bring home a baby seedling and they're in their forever home, what are some things you can preemptively do to keep them strong and keep them healthy? Timing, of course, is everything. You're going to want to start with a good soil because they, they definitely need those nutrients. Um, and choosing that location with the correct growing conditions and sunlight and watering it appropriately. 
um, you know, you have been following your plan, you've planted your plants with similar light and watering needs together. So basically, you know, you're just going to set them up for success and just make sure that you are being a good plant parent and watching your plants and taking care of them. So I have a follow-on question because you sure. know, some people like me, once you get the babies out there and they're like yours and I sing to them and love them every day. And so I feel like I need to preemptively help them out by maybe spraying them. Can you preemptively spray with like, you know, a BT? Like, is it worth preemptively spraying them with those types of things? Or should you just wait until conditions arise and then spray? Or does it actually help to make them more resilient? As far as vegetables go... I have been told that, yes, that you should keep up with the spraying. For instance, like, you know, we have a, we're doing our winter veggie garden right now, and we've got, you know, cabbage, kale, uh, those kind of things. So we have a lot of cabbage loopers. And so um, mm. Molly Keck, which is the um, the entomologist for uh, the uh, Bear County Master Gardeners, she suggested that you use BT and spinosad and uh, just alternate them every two weeks. And that way the cabbage loopers won't develop resistance to either one of those. And then you can kind of keep it under control. So if you're trying to keep that under control, you could most certainly do that. Now, if you were in a pollinator garden or something, you really can't spray any chemicals in there because that they chemicals don't discriminate. So then they would be possibly hurting the pollinators you were wanting to protect. But you can also fertilize as you're planting. Some plants will tell you, yes, you know, you should fertilize while you're, while you're putting these in and others will not recommend it. So that's another thing you can do preemptively is, you know, put a little bit of fertilizer in the hole where you're planting and that can help as well. But you wouldn't normally do that with seeds, but, but with your baby transplants. Well, thank you. That's um, really good to know. I, cause my my kids one day asked me that I was I spray BT on these I have cabbage and I and I don't like caterpillars they they scare me so uh-huh. so I like to be preemptive and so my kid was like you're gonna BT these plants to death you know but, gonna, <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't have any cabbage loopers or any issues out there oh so. that's good that's that's really good and you brought up fertilizer so yes. how do you how do you know when to fertilize your, your plants and, and how do you pick a good fertilizer? Generally speaking, the best time to fertilize your plants is around the time that they begin to grow actively. So when that, you know, nice weather comes in and you start seeing some blooms, that's a perfect time. Um, the worst time to fertilize plants is at the end of their growing season. You know, some people think, oh, I want to feed them so they'll do great, you know, during this freezing time or whatever, but you may feed them and then they get all this new growth pushing out and then a freeze comes and then you've just wiped out your plant. Whereas if you, if it was already at rest, you know, cause you're wanting your plants to be at rest during winter, they're hibernating. You're not really wanting to encourage growth. So winter would not be the best time, you know, to fertilize it, or if, if that's the season, you know, you're growing something from the summer or the spring. And then fertilizer labels can be a little bit tricky too. So each bottle has three numbers and the numbers stand for the amount of phosphorus, the amount of nitrogen and the amount of potassium. It kind of depends on what you're looking for. If you need something to boost your flowers, you're going to want to go for more phosphorus. If you're wanting something to make leaves, you're going to want to do more nitrogen. If you're wanting a root maker, you're going to need go for that potassium. So here at the garden, we every in our in our plant water, we have 20-20-20 with chelated iron. And that's just kind of like a dual, you know, an all-purpose fertilizer. But uh, you know, they the as I mentioned, the numbers, you know, the nitrogen, 
the phosphorus and the potassium, those all, if you're wanting specific things from specific plants, then you would look at those numbers. As far as granular fertilizers versus liquid fertilizers, being solid, the granular fertilizers take longer to, to break down. If you went with a liquid fertilizer, they work faster. You'll see faster results, but they won't be as long lasting. Our Fox Farm representative, Andy, she likes to say that when you give your, you know, you go and spray the liquid fertilizer on there, the next day they look like they got a haircut. They're just, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, it just gives them that little boost. Sure. And then of course, You've got organic and non-organic and organic tends to take a little bit longer to work because it's made out of natural things. So there are lots and lots of things to consider. But if you're just starting out, I would just do an all purpose, something all purpose that's just simple and easy. And then once you get more into what exactly you're wanting to do, then you can, you know, venture out into the different fertilizers. Thanks for listening to part one of our conversation with Robin. We hope you've enjoyed it. Please tune in next week for part two. This has been the Seedy and Shady AF podcast. Thanks to all the peas in our pod for listening. We believe in you and we believe in your plants. Follow us for more shenanigans on Instagram at Seedy and Shady Pod. Until next time, stay seedy, stay shady. And remember, sketchy gardening is still gardening.